As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Graham Goring, current founder at Insupposable Games. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Graham. How are you? Uh, oh, good, thank you. Other than having had a cough for about six weeks now, it's it's not the Rona, but it is it <laughs> hanging around. Yeah, just lingers. Yeah, we've seen a bit of that with all these colds and flus, and of course COVID still hanging around. <coughs> you just, yeah. There you go. I it's need a cough button. I should have bought a cough button. I should have brought one of those things, but yeah, you know, fuck it. Oh, can I swear yeah, on this? Good question. Yes, you absolutely can swear as okay, much or good. as little as you like. In fact, okay. most people, I think consciously censor themselves and I'd really rather they just no, say oh, no. hundreds on the line so you can drop whatever bombs you like that uh, has uh, never yeah. been an issue for me uh, to, to my detriment I'm amazed the, uh, that I haven't been sued by previous employers sometimes <laughs> yeah right okay well let's let's see what happens when, when it comes to this one we'll see how yeah, Apple yeah. plays with it when I because I usually have it um, without the explicit tag we'll see we'll see what happens as a result of this one I was scrupulous maybe that changes everything Wow, because I was scrupulously honest. Because I, yeah, I, you know, the C bomb would fall out sometimes, and so I was like, "Well, I can't have the kids listening to that. That's not how they should learn." Look, yeah, it might get heard by kids if you do drop it in this one. I, I do have as weird as is some of the students that I teach. I know kind of tune into the show every now and then, so it's, mm. which is always weird. It, it never ceases to get weird when, like, your reputation up to a point. I hardly consider myself famous in any way, shape, or form at all. But it's weird that within my little my little environment, it was, you know, high school, that my reputation precedes me, and that kids know that oh, that's the nerdy one that records video game podcasts and whatever. Anyway, this is Dev Diary, a series where we talk to developers from throughout the industry. They share their stories, their experiences, and the journey that's led to this current point in time. But Graham, before we get to all of that, and there's some fantastic credits that you've uh, titles that you've got been credited for, some awesome titles that are in gestation that we can't really talk about, but we can kind of dance around the outskirts, I guess, in mm. the, the most NDA-friendly possible ways. Before we get to all of that, I'd love to rewind to a point before you actually started creating games and kind of zero in on some of the work that you did, or some, some of the work, uh, some of the times you spent with games before you were working on them. Do you recall what your first game, first games experiences were? Uh, yeah, well, it's difficult to say. Um, uh, my friend James Curry got a, a 48K Spectrum, which was, you know, obviously the best machine, better than the Commodore, um, for for his uh, birthday. And that's, I, I suspect that's probably the first time I was exposed to, to games. So that would be like 1984, yep. I would say, 1985. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, and it was, you know, proper, proper sh- shite. You know, like uh, Horace goes skiing and stuff like that, and uh, you know, really stuff that was written in basic. Um, but it was you got to start somewhere, it, right? Yeah, exactly. But you know, to a, to a child who had not seen any of anything like that, it's magical, absolutely magical, and uh, yeah, and so instantly enthralled. And that's we were just just like in that second, we became oh, we're nerds. I get that's I get I guess we're nerds. They didn't have a word for it back then. We embrace it. Yeah. All of a sudden, so, you're the teacher with the gaming podcast. Yeah, it just happens. Uh, it, we don't know uh, how we get it, to these points. It. it just happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, how did your tastes kind of develop? And I guess, presumably, moulded a little bit by some of the experiences you had. But how did your tastes evolve as, as you grew up? Were there any particular games, franchises, genres that you really attached yourself to? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm always been. I, I'm I'm a fairly stupid person, so uh, uh, well, nothing too like in depth. Like you know, uh, like your, your Sim City, um, yeah, I can't handle that. That's just uh, too many working parts. I can't. I cannot. Well, do I'm a bit the same. That's that's only good okay. for blowing stuff up, like just dropping disasters on oh, the yeah. place. And that's yeah. that's what I would do as well. You build a city, and it would look nice and grids and stuff like that. And then and then oh, just hit the nuke button, which is and that was we are fun. but simple people. Yeah, um, but so mostly you know platformers and shoot 'em ups and uh, what would what used to be called arcade adventures, but I suppose now is yeah. kind of the Metroidvania, I suppose. Um, and yeah. uh, but nothing beat beat 'em ups. I couldn't handle beat 'em ups. Absolutely terrible at those. Can't do button combinations. 
Um, so uh, I steered clear of those. Anything that requires genuine skill, anything you can cheese your way through, <laughs> that's my jam. Um, Sounds like I'm, we're cut from a very similar corner. <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm not very good at gaming, so I, ideally qualified to make them. I would say um, we just go with the things that yeah don't require those sort of immediate prompts. We'll go turn-based RPGs and all those sorts of things. That just, <coughs> I don't know if I don't know if that was up your alley, considering everything yeah, you just discussed. I, I I love I, like Vandal Hearts on the PS One. I think is almost oh. the 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 most perfect turn-based RPG on a console ever. I, I mean, I love... I mean, the one that actually got me into the genre, really, is the, the works of Julian Gollop. So, Chaos, Laser Squad, the Lords of Chaos, yep. and then latterly, obviously, UFO, Enemy Unknown, which became XCOM, Enemy Unknown. I had that... I remember yep. I played that on the PS1, and it was it was slightly buggy, but I, I once played it for 14 hours straight um, on a single day, sat in a sleeping bag while my mother brought me cups of tea, and then for three days afterwards, I was having auditory hallucinations when I opened doors in the house. <laughs> it was like, it was like, oh god, I've broken my fucking brain. That's it from now onwards. That's what I'm going to hear when I open a door. So uh, yeah, I, I, it's fair to say that I was quite into that. And then obviously, Terror from the Deep, the sequel, was absolute jog. Um, so mm, oh well. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I, I've, I've kind of fallen out of love with that genre, really. I think like like Vandal Hearts was the, the last one I really loved. And then obviously they did the sequel and it was absolutely, again, they, they fucked it up. Um, they completely changed how it worked. Uh, so I haven't really played many of those. So now it is, it's like Metrovanias, yum, 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 get in my tummy. Um and uh, a few shoot 'em ups, but nothing, nothing bullet hell. Like I, I'm an R type person. I love R type. Yeah. I, like, I like to be able to memorize stuff. So R type Delta for me is the pinnacle of the genre. Um, yeah, makes uh, sense. Yeah, I can't, I can't do a cave shooter, um, and that's that's kind of it. Um, and sort of occasionally, I, I, I dalliances with more niche things, but no, I'm, I'm quite meat and potatoes really. No, but that's fine. And actually, I must I must uh, thank you for the fact that I think you're 85 or so episodes in at this point, and you are the first person to have cited Vandal Hearts, and I'm thrilled that you've done so. That's, that's so criminal, good. actually. That's been ignored for so for so long. It, but. It's like 20 levels, and each one is so perfectly designed, and just they're tiny, and and things like the the one with the villagers where you have to try and not kill them, where you basically yeah. you soak a barn. It is just perfectly designed and oh my god you could any, anyone could learn so much from how to turn take a simple premise and find every sort of permutation of how to bring variety into it brilliant game yeah it's a perfect example of it was there a game or a collection of experiences even that kind of prompted you to perhaps pursue game development itself at any point or was it something um, that kind of i guess I th- dawned on you in other ways i think it's just one of those sort of natural things i mean I, 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 I once actually had a friend who got into the game studio, a guy called Chris Roberts. Not the Chris Roberts who's doing the um, Space Whale game. Uh, the Chris oh, yeah, Roberts okay. who did Burnout. Um, yep. And um, I basically finagled him to get me a job in test when he was at a company called Simis. It used to be called Glass Ghost. And I, I hadn't really used PCs particularly. And I was just a liability and fired after a week and felt terrible. And then... And then I was just chatting to a guy called John Pickford on the internet, really, um, because um, this is back in the days of Usenet, Compsys Sinclair, chatting to yep. him about the games that he had made on the spectrum, which had been formative experiences for me. And they were like, yeah, "We can't, you know, you do pixel art. We quite need someone. Do you want to, do you want to come up to Manchester and you know try it for a job?" Yeah, exactly. And so I, I did that. And so yeah, in two thousand, April two thousand, I. Um, yeah, moved to Manchester, but basically by speaking to strangers on the internet, which is the I, I think a it's 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 an often overlooked way of getting things done career wise for some. Reason. I mean, yeah, you can never be you can never be too sure, right? Obviously, there's uh, plenty of dark corners on the internet, there, but there's also plenty of bright yeah. spots, and it's worked out for you in that sense. I must say, like yeah. I'm in the space that I'm in for doing the exact same thing. Mm. Um, not not the teaching side of it. That that would be perhaps a bit of a a warning sign for any prospective employer if they're fishing around yeah. and finding me on the internet but you know, all the games work absolutely start somewhere. It, and sometimes the internet is a handy resource my entire career has been about who I know not what I know you know I know the person and then I learn what I know but at the start it's who I know yeah and that that totally works so obviously you mentioned you know, April 20, uh, 2000 first, first opportunity there that was Z2 yeah. correct yeah, that was Z2, yeah. um, which was, the, like, they had the best attitude towards work. Like, I was there for four years before it all went, and I think I did about 20 hours overtime in four years in total. Um, and, yeah, and, right, like, that's m- not bad. Most, most of that was on one project, which was a 
poison chalice um, uh, towards the end. So it was it was it was the best learning experience because we're all you know just nice open plan office sat next to people who really knew their stuff because they'd you know come up on the eight bits and uh, and they were only too happy to share their you know their expertise and that's that's kind of where I learned to code in C. Um, uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was the best place to work. And I will, I will forever be grateful to the Pickfords for taking a chance on a, a person who was literally a smelly nerd to, to, I mean, really like personal hygiene wasn't something that I, I knew about to the point that, uh, a guy I used to work with called Amma, uh, eventually I was making a cup of tea and he came over to me guys, he goes, dude, you need to shower. Uh, <laughs> and I was Ooh. like, yeah, no, uh, yeah, and, and and he was right. I I did need to shower. I was a, a, a horrible, smelly oik. I was I was the worst of the worst uh, in that respect. But now you know what I I I I I smell delightful now. So it's it's all. Great. Oh, that's good. Lessons learned, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so obviously, like you mentioned, there's a poison chalice in there, and I'll I'll pick your brain, I guess, a little bit as to what that specific title was. But I do, yeah. you know, I look through the list and I see things like Dragon Tales. I see ET, which, I mean. That license in the gaming space has long been known for, for the, impact, the negative impacts it's, it, it's had. So I'm not sure. Maybe maybe it's ET that kind of did the studio in there as well. I don't know. Um, even yes, Nicktoon's snapshot there with Warthog Games as well. Yeah. So uh, ET basically we did um, we're doing a game called ET in the Cosmic Garden, and basically there's there's a there was a publisher called New Kid Co in the states who uh, managed to get hold of the license, and they they made quite a few different games. I think they made one with Warthog themselves uh, for the PS One, uh, and we were doing like a GameCube PS Two one, which was um, about gardening with ET, and we, we did a Game Boy Color yeah. version of that, which I did the graphics for, um, and uh, and like John did the design on. Uh, and uh, the Game Boy Color version came out, but the um, then everything kind of went um, because uh, yeah, I think things weren't great with New Kid Co. Uh, and uh, and eventually, right, okay. eventually we were kind of left in the lurch to the tune of a million dollars, I think. And that's why Ooh. we event- we had to kind of had to go. Warthog, would you like to buy us? Um, I mean, I don't. I'm sure the machinations were slightly more than that, but uh, yeah, they got like, on their knees and groveled. Yeah, um, uh, we, we so <laughs> please, Warhog, please, please, please. Warhog bought us and then kind of moved some of their people in to work on because at that point the only thing we had kind of going was Nicktoon Snapshot that I was sort of lead design on, and um, so they brought some people over to help on that, and oh, it would it was a poison choice. It's, it was it was it's the game that gave me IBS. Uh, it was it was one of these horrible experiences where we'd have to speak to the the publisher and they'd be like, oh, could we could we we have this feature in there, and and we we were in, not in a position of power, so we'd go, yeah, we yes, can yes. we can find a way to kind of kind of pay lip service to what we've just agreed to. Um, yeah, it was this game where you were kind of skating around Bikini Bottom, um, and some and like I think Fairly Odd Parents were in there as well. Uh, it was uh, yeah, it was a couple of Nickelodeon properties rolled into this uh, sort of third person platformer. And it and it, it wasn't it wasn't shaping up brilliantly, um, but it was kind of the only project that we had going. So that's yep. uh, what are you uh, going to do? What are you going to do? Um, uh, but eventually, and eventually, THQ were kind of like, mm, I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna shit can this, uh, which was you know kind of the right decision because it was it was one of these ones that was going to launch to sixty percent reviews probably, um, and so yeah, that that's that's when it all went. Uh, very, very tits up, I would say. Um, yeah, and I mean, 60% yeah. in this space is like, you may as well just give them a zero if you're giving them 60% these days. So. Well, that's it, because things are, it's, yeah, that's what we, we mark on a scale. It's amazing of, or know, it's 70 or it's is nothing. the bare minimum. Yeah, if, if you like that's the That's almost genre. a bad game in the eyes of some. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely, because... As someone who's written a review that equates to a 70 in the last 24 hours, as yeah. of when we speak. Um, yeah. We we yeah. deal in this weird logarithmic scale when it comes to video games. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, so yeah, that and uh, that's when I think yeah, uh, I, I left Warhog and I left the industry for about nine months to go back and live with my mum, go back to my old job answering telephone calls, and then and then I got a call from Amma, and because I didn't stink anymore, it was like, do you want to come up to this place that I've landed at and uh, work there? So I did that and went up to. Um, well, I forget what they were called at the time, but I think I think they may have been Connector Media, but they went through about seven names while I was there. So uh... yeah, Connector <coughs> uh, Media. You got Hands On Mobile, and then uh, yeah. even as as I was picking through what you'd sent me before, it kind of just trailed away into 
God knows what they were called at various stages. Yeah, well, I think they were Bluebeck before I got there, and then they were M Former somewhere in the mix as well. Um, but yeah, for, I, I, I don't know why they kept changing their name. Like, I don't know if it was some kind of tax thing. Or, really know, a good but, sign when it's happening, though, is it? Yeah, but weirdly, it was it was a really good place to work, though. Because again, well, it was... That it makes was that's right. Yeah, it was. Uh, I made. Um, we did this. We did a fairly terrible like Call of Duty game for the Series Forty phones and Series Sixty phones. So you know, yep. little candy bar pieces of crap. Um, we did a, an incredible Hulk game that was actually a fairly decent puzzler, and then we did a game called Go Go Rescue Squad, which was an original game that I designed, which was it's basically yep. a rip off of an old Spectrum game called The Deactivators. Um, but I was really happy with that. So it was actually again a really happy time. Um, but, uh, and what but, made yeah. the the feel there so so good? I guess I knew a lot of people. Even even now, you're talking about that way, so you're obviously still looking back on it quite fondly as well. Presumably, that culture and the way it was holds up even compared to what you've experienced since in various different capacities. So, what was so great about the feel of I think studio it, with seven different names? I, th- I think it was just the it was really small teams. So you know, it'll be four people making a game tops. Yeah, um, right. So, you know, fast turnaround. You weren't stuck on anything for particularly long. Um, and just, you know, nice nice people. Uh, you know, my direct boss, a guy called John Tatlock, used to make um, Spectrum games. Um, was, you know, uh, it was good. He was, he was, again, he was one of these good bosses. He wasn't someone who was after overtime. He was a real no bullshit kind of person. Um, but, you know. Always helps. But, yeah, just, you know, uh, you know, a nice person to work for. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, but you know, we did some crazy. Like uh, they tried pitching for a, like a an Omen. Uh, the Light Omen license came up because of, they were doing some more Omen films. Yeah. And they tried pitching it as a Tamagotchi game, and the, I think the Fox execs looked at them and were like, "Fuck off out of here! What are you on about?" <laughs> um. So there was it was a, it was it was kind of crazy. It was good, but it was Quite good terrific. fun. Yeah. It was it was a it was a it was a really good fun small ish place to work. And I guess for you on an individual level, that just I, I guess. From that period, from Z two even through to Connector Media, and again the the myriad of names we're talking about, you know, different roles and capacity. You've had pixel artists, three D <laughs> art. You were a lead designer over, uh, over at Z two as well at various points. Game design, tool program, a tools programmer. So you've kind of taken on, I get, or put on a lot of different hats through that time. Given I that you failed in upwards. As a pixel artist. Yeah, I failed upwards basically because I started as pixelizers. I'm not a great pixel artist. Uh, mainly the colour choices were bad. Uh, the animation was okay, but uh, you know, it was it was what I could do. I mean, really, the very first thing I did was actually writing dialogue for uh, Dragon Tales Dragon Seek, because yep. uh, it was based on this this achingly PC um, uh, cartoon from PBS about these uh, dragons and uh, this this brother and sister, and it was basically a hide and seek game. And so I just had to write all these really sort of shit dialogue for these dragons for when you find them and stuff and uh, inadvertently there were some double entendres in there um, but it As was it just it, well yeah but I didn't, I didn't realise it's only when you get the line back and you've got this giant dragon saying to a little girl I'm too big to hide in such a small bush and you think <laughs> do you know what maybe the editors should have caught that one um, and uh, yeah there should be uh, some more rigorous screening processes for stuff like that yeah uh, but uh, it was it was it was a product. It wasn't a game. It was a product, and that's that's the nature of small companies. Sometimes you are you you know you're just doing what pays the bills. Um, yeah, and sometimes you have weird things like um, for some we were going to do like at one point there was a uh, twenty eight days later game possibly in the offing. So I mean like and I just remember being in the office at the weekend and Alex Garland called and it was kind of like oh, John's not here. It, <laughs> just because it was it, strange things uh, would would happen. But it was it was yeah, again like I said too it was just just the happiest days until Nicktoon snapshot happened and then it was the worst days. Uh, not the worst days. They would be later, obviously. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll but touch yeah, on that shortly. Yeah, but but I would I would turn my hand to anything. You know, I, I've I've always enjoyed programming. So. You know, and design again. I, you know, it's it's. I, th- I think. Um, I think it's a a very good idea not to specialize in video games. If you can turn your hand to multiple things, I think that's that's a really hireable skill. It certainly was back then. I don't know if that's true now, um, but yeah. I. Um, yeah, I think that's why people would hire because they know that you know I can put on you know any number of different hats and and do it to a, a competent degree. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I was. I was a, a jack of all trades, um, and I've eventually sort of, I've become a master of some, but 
Yeah. Well, they're, they're, I mean, it's I better than the, the way the saying usually goes. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was a master of none, but eventually, I, 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 I'd say I'm, 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 I'm decent at writing jokes for kids. I'd say that's kind of. That's my and and adults probably. Um, that's that's my. Niche, well, again, the aforementioned double entendres. Yeah, well, yeah, but that was inadvertent back then. That was like it was some sort of weird latent skill that had but yet now to you've emerge. learned how to do it consciously to make yeah. this innocent line that has that extra meaning. It's, yeah, it's quite but, the art. But now you see, but I'd be working on IPs with uh, things are so much more professional now that they would be like, uh, no, when they saw that. Um, as, as indeed, you know, I've had things where I've tried sneaking, well, not sneaking things past. Sometimes when you're writing a script for a game, what you do is you put in something you know is deliberately offensive because you know that they'll focus on that and these and three other things else. will get through okay. Um, and that's, uh, you know, you give them something to chew on. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have, I have a skill of finding the thing that annoys them the most, apparently. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, useful. So, from there... After the time with, again, Connect Media and the, the 50 different names that it assumed at various stages there, <coughs> TT Fusion's next. Now, you were talking about the best of times and the worst of times, and... TT Fusion was actually, for the most part, really good. It was it was weird. I was hired to work on a sequel to uh, Guinness World Records, um, and then I got there yep. and they said, yeah, that's been canned. Um, <laughs> so literally, on my, like my second day, they're like, yeah, that's been canned. And I'm like, oh, God, do I still have a job? And they were like, yeah, well, we're going to make you co-lead on, uh, what was it, Lego Harry Potter Years 1 to 4 on the yep. Nintendo DS. So I was co-lead with this guy called um, Pete Brisbane. And, uh, it was, you know, it was it was kind of fun, actually. We weren't, we, so many of the handheld games, we basically tried to ape what they were doing on the big boy consoles. But yes. on this one, because we had the touchscreen, we actually, you know, did stuff that was Platform more suited. Yeah, yeah, and it was really good, and um, it was, I was I was pretty happy with how it turned out uh, that that project, um, yeah, and uh, I did a bit of writing on that, but I mean that was that was tricky because obviously everything everything you write on like Potter has to go through well it used to go through CLLA and I can't remember what that stands for, but they would be well can you can you point to this dialogue in either the books or one of the films, and if you can't. Yeah. It's like well, we have it's to over think about it. Yeah, it's. I mean, they they're very very sort of particular about what goes into it, and I think that's probably because I think um, they were burnt on the first like Harry Potter game where they went, all right, yep. we're just going to turn the interior of Hogwarts into fucking Mario, and and they were like, the shit have you done? Um, and so they they clamped down hard. Um, and, and, and I mean, easy to see why, right? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely makes sense because you know uh, I, I assume when you you have something which is a burgeoning property like that, you want to. Um, yeah, you don't want to make sure it's perceived in the best possible light consistently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that wasn't that aspect of it wasn't particularly fun. But yeah, that, that was that was I was happy with how the actual game turned out design wise. That was that and actually, there's always good. challenges to development regard regardless. So yeah, you're having to work with kind of the IP holder or a you know representative of the IP holder and and having to jump through through some of those hoops sometimes. That's just the nature of the beast when you're working on one of the biggest IP in the world. Uh, yeah, although it's it's weird, like you know, but like Star Wars, they were so much more relaxed. You'd think Star Wars would be like really like, but really, uh, nah, they've had their Christmas specials and stuff over the years. You you can lean into humour there and <laughs> get away yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah, but really, they they were most interested to in make sure that I actually spelt things correctly uh, <laughs> more than anything. Just get the you know the the exact right you know missing an O in Tatooine. Well, it's more like hyphenation and capitalization and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And there's literally like one joke about smugglers that they didn't like, and everything else they were like, "Yep, yeah, cool." But I think that's because you know they had a really good relationship with TT at that point because of all the other games they produced. So plenty of success at that stage. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a level of trust there that you know what with Harry Potter being the first thing, they didn't have that relationship. I expect. Um, but yeah, and then after after that, I went um, basically kind of. Did nothing for a while is what it feels like, because um, then we started on Lego City Undercover or Lego yep. City Stories as it was called then, um, which changed its name for a, a hilariously uh, lawyer-based way uh, recent. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we, I, I started on that not as a writer. One of the other guys, Dave Mervick, who you probably know for um, oh gosh, what are they called the uh, oh, there's a the really wonderful physics-based platformer sort of thing with. Uh, Little Nightmares. He does the Little Nightmares Oh, games. yes, right. Yeah, so that's what Dave does now. But he was there as a writer, and he was on it. And then he left to go to Tarsia. And then they tried getting an external writer. They thought, oh, we'll hire a reputable person to do this. Um, and they hired a 
an, uh, like a, a BAFTA award-winning writer. I won't say their name, but they weren't very good. Um, and they were like, oh, the turnarounds are a bit slow, um, and you know we're not super happy with it. And they were like, one of the people hyping the company to see me doing stand up, and was like, well, <coughs> let's get let's get Graham to do it because we can pay him peanuts because he's salaried. We don't have to pay him a, a freelance wage. And uh, you know, we I've, I've seen him; he's funny. Well, give it a try. And he's already on the books, yeah. Well, exactly, and and, uh, and so and, that, and that's how that worked out, which was you know very happy for me because writing that and doing the recording sessions on that were like the happiest days they were so much fun um but yeah but but before i was doing the writing i was just you know we're trying to set up cameras we had this weird thing where you had to kind of prove you couldn't do it with the existing technology before they'd allow you to do like have a proper third person camera so we yeah right okay because the old games used to use these things called um like socks which were like effectively the, the cameras would always you know they sort of go left to right and a bit of in and out but that's about it and then you try and do an open world game in that and it's like shit so effectively we're trying to set up we're trying to cover the entire city or a small portion of the city with these weird camera setups and, and basically failing for about six months before they were like, all right, you can have a third person camera. And and then things started to, to make sense. Um, it was it was a weird one the way that happened. But, you know, it, it worked out, obviously, because once the, you the got your third person camera, there was no issues going forward. Right. Like, the, I mean, sorry. Yeah, development's got its issues, but I mean, like hmm. future projects and those sort of things. Like they're a bit more open to some of these things at this point. Or was was everything a a six month long trudge to prove this isn't working before? I think I think overlords would come to the party. There are probably only a couple of instances where we had like those those big issues. We, there's also the issue that obviously it's two studios, and you know one studio might yeah. be really really crunching away on a particular project and needs the main code base to stay stable, and so we're trying to you know get our third person camera Let's into it without with that. breaking everything well that's you know so that that could be problematic um but uh, yeah it, you know eventually worked out and you know the game worked out um pretty well i think um you know it's a, it's a solid eight out of ten i'd say yeah um uh, but yeah and, and that but that was that was and that was kind of, i would say the the high point of my time at tt I mean, and it wasn't like a precipitous dropper i think it's just that that was so much fun to to be able to you know write your own story comparatively yeah yeah yeah. and you know write any dumb joke and pretty much get it in there um yeah it was it was ace it was it was really really good and so obviously you worked on several other titles while you were there the likes of jurassic world for example star i mean obviously we've cited star wars but like star wars force awakens there Mm -hmm. uh lego dimensions as well um what was it like working on all those and i guess as you say it wasn't a precipitous drop but there was like I think things weren't quite the same. Like, what what was it about those experiences or the collection of experiences that didn't meet what you'd experienced previously? I think mainly the fact that you can't write particularly your own stories. I mean, you can write, you know, any dumb yeah. joke you like. That's and that's fun. However, you know, you don't get to decide the the course of the narrative. Um, and, and also, you know, the first time you write, oh no, more enemies, oh no, more enemies. It's like okay, fine. Um, but then when you know you're doing that on the sixth game and it's the same because the gameplay the same beats yeah the gameplay had the same beats and therefore the dialogue often had the same beats and often some of the puzzles in the, in the lego games are quite obtuse uh, and and i felt that i was uh, slightly you know um kind of wiping the butt of design by explaining yeah right player, okay oh maybe we should go and do this which i yeah i wasn't i wasn't a, a big fan of that type of design um because I, 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 I like, appreciate I, that. I'm much more about systems and stuff like that, where you know you set a rule and then you can apply that rule um, yep. in you know logically logical ways. Whereas everything was kind of bespoke. It was like this puzzle does this, and this, and, and other than the choosing the right character for the right thing, that's kind of about it in terms of puzzles. Um, so yeah, that that was a little bit uh, limiting. Um, but you know there were, there were there were really big high points. I think you know often you know getting to to work with proper like a-list actors mostly was an absolute joy um even getting to direct a couple of them because of scheduling fuck-ups <laughs> or at least the i will note was... the word mostly was used there so i'm not yeah, sure if you're yeah. willing to out people I, I wouldn't blame you if you don't want to but uh it's got me no, fascinated that's for the, sure the, 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 i mean I'll, I'll happily tell you afterwards but the, okay. there was there was one particular actor who i felt really phoned it in um right and clearly did not want to be there um, but honestly, pretty much every single other one was an utter delight, um, which was kind of a surprise. Um, but also just amazing to get to, you know, 
work with these you know people that like in some case you know getting to write Doctor Who stuff for Lego Dimensions was a fucking dream oh that'd be really cool right exactly you know because I, I was brought up on Doctor Who and so that was that was the best uh, again that was a real big high point and uh, but yeah it was the, the, the voice sessions often be really good fun apart from the fact that obviously they're in America I'm in England and so sometimes I will be up till 3am doing a, a voice session because of yeah the time zone uh, yeah the time zone thing um, which was not great and then but, but and sometimes you'd have like a European one in the morning and then you'd have like an American one at night to the point that I think I did a 19 hour day once um, and you're only allowed to do a 15 hour day but luckily four of those 19 hours were after midnight so I managed to get paid for them so that that, that worked out loophole loophole yeah. <coughs> and uh, yeah that was um, th- th- those those I didn't look forward to those days but the actual you know the people you were dealing with and the directors there were certain directors I always had fun with like Mark Healy was wonderful on Lego City and there's a guy called um, uh, JB Blanc who's uh, I always had fun with and um, Liam O'Brien was always good fun to work with yep um, certain other directors maybe not so much because I think um, they perhaps um, slightly I don't know th- there were some directors who didn't get the best out of the actors I felt I mean, I'm, I was definitely one of those. I am not a director, so whenever they were like, "Oh, can you, can you direct Max von Sydow?" and I'm like, "Oh God, yeah, um, yeah or or like like Lupita Nyong'o," it's like, "Well, I mean, I'll give it a go." Um, I, I, I mean, I, I'm better than silence, I suppose. So, well, yes, um, there's got to be something, right? Yeah, I, I can explain what they're trying, what you know, what's going on, um, at least to them. Um, and then you're back in their acting prowess to be able to build upon the foundation that you've set yeah yeah you you are very much uh, reliant on that but it's good you know so i've directed an oscar winner <laughs> you know I'm, I'm a fucking idiot in a in a, in a bedroom what, what, what am i doing directing a an oscar winner or you know or um what's he called um michael j fox that was the first one that was that was the scheduling snafu basically because it turns out that two o'clock in new york is not two o'clock in la so slightly panicked phone call uh can you get here because we haven't got a director um later and i'm directing him over the phone it cost me a bastard fortune because i had to dial in on my home phone and i, I oh, no. never i Those never international cla- fees i never claimed it back it was like a two-hour session so but he oh, the nicest guy just the nicest guy um yeah oh, was but, he he didn't even pay the phone bill for you i mean i feel that that wasn't his <laughs> job though like yeah. that that was on he's Warner. doing enough as is he's the teller yeah yeah absolutely yeah um so yeah, the, the, those were the, normally the high points, but the, you know, and and getting to you know get daft jokes in or names of friends and stuff like that into games, uh, that's always fun. Um, but then, actually, quite a lot of the time, it's actually stuffing that dialogue into the game. So sometimes it was writing tools to enable that, and sometimes it was literally knocking up the scripts that go in the game in order to to get things to play at the right points. And that's you know sometimes satisfying, but but can be a drag when it's not working and, and and you cannot fathom why it's not working. Like, my script's fine and, you know, it's it's some other thing or perhaps you've just put it in the wrong directory or... Yeah, yes, it's popping up someplace else. Yeah, yeah, that can be very frustrating. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, for the, like, I, I left on very good terms. Whether after they hear this that will be the case, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was... it was a, I, I, I had a really good time at TT Fusion. Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. We've obviously heard reports in even the last year or so, six months? I don't know, time's a flat circle. Oh, the pandemic's yeah. ruined everyone's perception of time. So, yeah. um, you know, about like a bit of a grind and th- and those, and a bit is probably me underselling things a little bit. I don't like, did, did you experience kind of the, I guess that hamster wheel sort of constantly, constantly going? And, and I don't mean, I guess, your weird exceptional nine, you know, 19 hour days because it does seem like that's a weird exception and there's time zones and those sort of, complications can happen sometimes i mean here we are for me it's when we started chatting it was 7 30 p.m i've already had my full working day and here here we go again look at the you know they're the sort of things you love doing sometimes but yeah like uh, did you did you ever kind of find yourself oh yeah in that headspace uh, that we've maybe yeah. heard reported about i mean even the project i loved the most legacy undercover when i came off the end of that i was the amount of overtime i'd done i was i was seriously ill for about three months um yeah right I, I was just um, just because effectively you're on a, you're on a, like an, an adrenaline high for this, for you know nine months or whatever of, of, the, of the the final push, and then you come out of it, and your body just is like, well, you're paying the fucking piper, mate. Um, and yeah, I felt really 
really really ill after that and i and i know i'm not the only one um who did um so that's you know that's not great but you know uh, you know management or, or the, the manager who's no longer there was was said you know we're not we're not always going to be in a, a snake swallowing a pig situation but it's it's yeah. certainly that that the company was a, a big hungry snake next to a fucking pig farm so it was it, it was always constantly be consuming like yeah absolutely you know a lot of these games were turned around quite quite quickly um so yeah i i saw a, a fair bit of overtime i was luckily i mean it affected me the least because you know i, I was narrative design basically i kind of I, I i did have a boss but they didn't really need to boss me particularly and so i was yeah. i was you know my own master so i didn't yeah, that do helps. N- nearly as much overtime uh, but i think i think with regards to you know obviously there was that report on polygon and um with the the skywalker saga i think you know that's they they were working with an, to my knowledge from the scuttlebutt um the the engine was perhaps not not as as stable and friendly to work with um and and the fact that you know they seem i think they've said they're going to do some stuff in unreal from now onwards i mean that yeah i did read that uh, yeah that tells you everything about the experience they had on that engine i mean if you spent that much time and you do one game in an engine you know that that engine was perhaps not not great but uh, you know what especially all that had come before and you know as you mentioned like how fast those those titles have been churned out and of still of a you know really high quality as well like to yeah. then suddenly find yourself in the in the grind for however long it's been since that project first launched uh, started development like it's it yeah, maybe says a lot because 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 I left the company in like twenty seventeen and I think shortly afterwards Ninjago came out and then the um, the Incredibles one and then nothing and it was like the idea that we weren't they weren't shipping two games a year was just like what the hell's going on over there um, but you know. It, I thank God it, it did work out for them that it sold like gangbusters. I hope that they take the right lessons from this because it's so easy to see, look, look what we just did. Let's just do that again. And that attitude has been pervasive in video game companies. Yeah. Um and and is one of the cancers eating away at them. What's the quickest um, way to make the most money? Yeah. Do what absolutely. we did before. That's it. Again. Exactly. But the thing is people busted their hump and then they expect you, well, let's just bust our hump a little bit more. Um, yeah. that that attitude is uh, yeah terrible and that's why people you know burn out I mean the turnover was I mean I've, I've seen I, I, th- I think there are a lot of people leaving towards the end of uh, Skywalker Saga um, from the sound of it like, like not a day went by without well it's been lovely this is my last week um, a message is coming out which is kind of crazy I mean yeah. um, but uh, but you know it worked out for them so hopefully yeah, they'll take the right lessons from this and they'll move forward with unreal rather than you know their own tech which is not worked out for this um and uh, yeah and go from strength to strength because i've got a lot of friends there and i would like to see them stay in a job um, and be happy in that job and not be burnt out by that job and yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah hopefully hopefully the, the the unreal change is representative of a proactive approach that's going to benefit the team the game yeah, it just should have going forward. We should happen earlier because everyone else in the Warner Group was using Unreal, like Rocksteady were using it, etc. Um, so it's, there, I mean, there were talks when I was there about using it, but but they were like, no, we can make our own Unreal, uh, and then you know apparently spent about four years proving that they couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> without without meaning to be indelicate. No, that, that's fine. And so, the decision to to move on, how did that come about? Uh, basically. Uh, I met my wife. Um, uh, she wasn't my wife at the time, obviously. Um, and we uh, moved in together and we both had a house. I sold my house and uh, paid off her mortgage and we were still quite quids in. We were like, well, you know, I've wanted to make my own thing for a long time. Perhaps it's time to move on and do that. And and she was really supportive of that. And so we did that. Um, and it is taking fucking ages to do it. Um, it is slow. But I have, you know, taken on freelance work as well to obviously um, pay the bills because we had a kid. Yes, which is you know incredible, but but not thank you, uh, but but not conducive to continued employment for the mother, um, <laughs> as we said. And even for the father, whoever's still yeah. working, it slows things well, down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, um, it, 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 that you know that's how that 
shook out um so I, I i took on some stuff so that she could spend more time with him and and that's wonderful because it means he's had a really happy upbringing um despite how cheeky he is uh so that's kind of eaten into the time but also it's been really fun doing that as well because i've got to work on loads of uh different projects in things way outside my comfort zone so that's been quite quite cool and interesting yeah. What in particular was kind of outside of that comfort zone that you talk about? Because you know, like I said, as we run off, a, there's a substantial list of credits that you've uh, that you've been involved with, kind of in this freelance capacity. I mean, but there's things like F1 Manager 2022, which is very different to Elite Dangerous, which is very different to Planet Zoo and Planet Coaster, uh, Titan Souls, and my as we were discussing before before the show when we were kind of conversing before we even got to recording today, like my game of the year last year, Death Door. Like there, there's a that's even just that small sample size there. There's I'm running a bit of a gambit there of different genres and different gameplay styles and even within those the subtle differences that's kind of in store like is there, yeah. were there any in particular that really pushed your boundaries? Well really I like, I like management games um, I don't have the brains for them um, particularly and I, I found this myself... goes back to our SimCity conversation for war doesn't it? Well, well, yeah um, so yeah. It's, it's, it's weird I found myself doing loads of those like um, Planet Zoo and obviously Planet Coaster and I did some DLC for Tropico 6 Um uh, yeah, but, but, but like, I did so much for, for Frontier. They've been really uh, wonderful and uh, you know kind enough to hire me to do stuff for them, like Elite Dangerous. Again, that's you know that's really serious. You know, you, you can sneak oh, in yeah. a couple of jokes in certain bits, but but for the most part, it's um, it's it's a very different sort of thing to what I'm used to writing. Um, so that's been a really good fun challenge. Um, but yeah, and, it, and it, weirdly, I, I mean, I owe all that actually to, to Andrew Wolf. She was my script editor on Legacy Undercover because because basically they came to him can you do some stuff and he was too busy and he just sort of said well you know you could try this guy and and you know many years later i've, I've been doing loads of work for them so that's worked out thank you andrew um but yeah so mainly it's, it's kind of like management stuff like f1 i'm you know it's not a thing that i um i used to i used to enjoy watching it but um but you know i had to write commentary and stuff like that yeah um, it's a different way of very different yeah. way of writing i'd imagine yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a very, very um, uh, different. Uh, so you know, you have to immerse yourself in that world for a while. Uh, uh, you know, and, and also pick up the voice of the people who are going to be reading it. Because you know, fortunately, they they, they knew who's going to actually be doing the commentary. So I could I could listen to examples of them and therefore try and pick up on the sort right, of the phrases and words that they use. Yeah, yeah, um, and and I'm sure that when they go in the recording studio, you know, to actually do that, they will they will again kind of bend them to how how they would phrase things and that's that's what a, you know a good actor or a good a good you know um person doing line reads will do um but yeah that's that's really different and death's door well that's just i used to do a podcast with mark and um uh, and my, my other friend dave who did a, a game called hack slash loot one of the first indie games actually to release on steam so he did uh, very very well um always helps right yeah absolutely um when you're you know the the only cake in the window um so uh, I used to do a podcast with Mark, and therefore, and then we used to have this thing called Tack Tuesday, where we'd go to a local coffee shop, and we'd all just work on our games on a Tuesday. And then COVID happened, um, uh, and so I would sort of, yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, they needed someone to do a bit of narrative work on Death Store, and I was like, mm, yeah, all right, I'll do it, because because you know I was sat next to them and they know me, so oh, it's just easier so than maybe, a stranger. And this is this is now purely appeasing a, a fan side of the game here uh, mm. for me. Who was responsible for Pothead? Oh, that's Mark. Mark well, it would be Mark or Dave, definitely. No, that's that. Really, I was, I was to do with sort of general sort of um, world. Oh, yeah, so I just thought there might be a bit sense. of insight that you could share into that one because Pothead is just a stroke of genius. I, I, th- I think I, I think Mark, as, as much as anyone, is is a, is a lover of a, a stupid pun. Um, and uh, but again, you know, obviously he uh, that there are echoes of um, Siegmeier of Katarina very much in there but you know i i, just, I think i i really like pothead as a character and uh uh you know it was fun to edit the, the stuff they did for him but yeah that that's 100 that's just mark and uh, you know i was I, I wasn't even privy to where that came from he was just kind of you know fully formed and then uh i think fritz did this really good concept art for him and yep. it was just like oh yeah, they're, they're, it's, it's kind of it's it's kind pot of on his head formed. we call people certain people get called potheads ah oh, there we go yeah, the, the, yeah it sticks job done yeah yeah absolutely and the, you know there was loads of yeah fun stuff like my one of my favorites was the um the guy who runs the shop uh i've got his name jeff no mm. the the oh. space the, the squid with the corpse um yeah. 
but there was all this stuff that was going to happen where he was going to make you he was basically he was just always trying to get people to to uh, as he said ingest his younglings um so that they would effectively take over their bodies but that all, that all fell by the wayside but there was all this kind of gross stuff there that um and i think you're right with jeff actually I'm, I'm i'm sure it was jeff 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 yeah. Isabel. something like that I, I forget i mean and here's the thing that might be the name of the corpse rather than the squid so jefferson I don't know, jefferson's the jefferson name. jefferson thank you um, yeah, that he was I always just fun. Check my trophies to, to work that one out. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it, uh, that was fun to write all that stuff where he's you know clearly not passing as human, um, just because of the, the the awkwardness. Of, please allow me to use my human arms to do this. It's uh, yeah, that, that was really good fun that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I spent you know maybe a week in total on, on the project really, a bit at the yeah. top, and then some editing stuff at the end, and then my mum got cancer. And it kind of fucked with things. Um, Sorry to hear that. That's okay. She's dead now. She can't hear us. Um, it's fine. Um, and and uh, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, it, uh, and that is that is called scheduling <laughs> errors. My mum, she uh, just to say that she she got um she got a cancer. One of the cancers where they're like, oh well, you know, you are done for, and well, you know, don't bother starting any books. Um, and and then she was like. Fuck you, cancer! I'm going to stick it around for a year, and um, and did, so she, yeah, did. She, she she did really well. She did really well, um, and then you know passed away earlier this year, and um, yeah, so that's a weird thing to mention on a podcast. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah, and she, she, I don't think she ever really understood what I do, did as a living though. But she was always very supportive of it. That was the thing. She was always really like when I went to, went to move to Manchester, we just literally got a dog, and I was like, I'm sticking here with a dog, and she was like, you know, fine, go follow your dream. Um, yeah, I think was, it's probably uh, one of those things. You follow your dream. You're making money to keep yourself afloat, and you're not doing anything, anything illegal. Great, you yeah, got my support. I, I think the main thing is that she was hoping that I would meet uh, someone when I moved to Manchester because she was always yeah, she was right. one of those mothers always like, got a girlfriend? Mm, got to get a girlfriend? It's like, oh god. Um, and then you know, very happy that Lay I did off, eventually Mom. meet a lady and and marry her. So yeah, she was yeah she was very much one of those mothers. Um, but yeah, but you know, if it hadn't been for you know her being. As she was, I, I I wouldn't have got into the industry because you know she, uh, even though I was twenty four when I joined the industry, pretty late. It was literally I've been talking to a stranger on the internet. I'm going to move to Manchester. Are you cool with that? And and she was either a good enough or bad enough mother that she was like, yeah, go on, off you go. <laughs> if it's going to work, if it's going to bring money in, if you're not doing anything illegal, we're good. Yeah, that's it. Because I was stuck in a dead end job, so you know it, it can't be worse than that. And so, as you said, all all the while you you're working on these various different um, titles in in a freelance capacity. Big, uh, bigger roles, smaller roles, mm. but you are working on your own, your own stuff. Um, in disposable yeah. games, somewhere along the way, you're finding time for it in, in bits and pieces. Yeah. How is with it, without you? I guess spilling the beans too much. Like how how is it tracking? Oh, I, I mean, I'm happy to I'm happy to just to, just to dump out a whole can of cannelloni beans. Uh, okay, great. It's, um, it's it's going okay. Like on a technical level, like I think I've got pretty much all the systems done. Um, but it's it's basically it's a Metroidvania called Phantom Island, and it's um, doesn't surprise me after where uh, Metroidvania uh, talked before. I just love them. I just love them so much. But I'm, it's not one of they the, are like, great. There are certain things about them that that really frustrate me with Metroidvanias, which is the I hate the empty room games. The ones I love Castlevania Symphony of the Night. However, like um, when you look at Bloodstained, there's lo- like half the map is just it's it's a square room and there's an enemy and that's it. That's the room, and it's kind of like. Mm. I want to do something in these rooms. I want there to be sort of yeah. meaty puzzles and stuff like that. Um, and I want, you know, more quest stuff. There's loads of quest stuff in it um, and loads of really dumb jokes. And I've, I've basically stolen from everywhere um, in terms of it and like quite tough puzzles, but also optional. So they don't, hopefully I'm not gating progress with them. It's it's a tricky uh, balancing act because I want it to be, you know, challenging and a, a, a good sizable game, but yeah it's i mean i've it, it there's it's the feature creep is 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 you know kind of my very mantra, real which is a really i mean and, and that's very very unwise but you know i'm hopeful I, I, i'm blinkered and stupid enough to think that i can pull it off um uh, but uh yeah i mean i've got a really good artist i've got a really good sound designer um i haven't really given them much to do yet but uh yeah um I, i'm hopeful that it will turn out to be something that that really appeals to a small niche of people. Um, and I guess importantly, you've, you've got the income on the side there to help support it and keep it going. 
Yeah, yeah, that's it. We, we, you know, we are we're we're okay now, despite the fact that we live in Britain, obviously, and it's all gone to shit here, um, thanks to our you know corrupt, crappy government, beloved and, leader. Yeah, uh, and Brexit, and and all these, uh, you know, we're just like just 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 shooting holes in our feet all the time as a country. Um, yeah, I mean, if uh, is the, like if if we'd known, I, th- I think we would have moved. Um, I mean, if we'd known guess, that it was all going to go to shit like this, yeah. I guess there's maybe a at least we're not the US sort of thing. I mean, they they yes, um, they keep stepping on race left, right, and center. Yeah, I, my my friend James lives in um, uh, my my oldest friend, uh, who the one who had the Spectrum, the first yep. computer I've had uh, I ever saw. Uh, he moved to the US and he's really happy there. So I, th- I think it's possible. Well, that's something. There's a tick. Yeah. No. Exactly. And and you know it, it's. Yeah, whenever I see him, we, he lives in Texas, uh, in uh, in Austin, and that's always really good fun to visit him. Um, but but yeah, but there's also the other side of things that you know we have the NHS, whereas they have oh, so you, no insurance. Well, we're just going to let that thing grow in your body until it's your entire body, and then you die. Uh, that's kind of their good approach luck. to things. Um, or or you can go bankrupt. Mm, those are your two choices. Which one do you want to do? Dead or bankrupt? Um, so yeah, I'm glad that you know for the for the time being we have the NHS. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, I forget what the question was. <laughs> uh, uh, I think I started with at least it's not the US. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, okay, there you go. yeah, that's it. So, but but also you know they have Cheetos, which are a delicious crisp that I love. So it swings around about. They are pretty good. They are pretty good. They, yeah, yeah, the British versions they aren't. Um, yeah. They are what, what are the what's the British equivalent? Uh, what so they do have cheetos over here, but they're fried, not baked, and they taste oh. awful. So whenever my friend James comes over, going by the same name, load. yeah, yeah, that's the weird okay. thing. But it's weirdly our bugles are better than American bugles. So you know, again, again, the swings and roundabouts, it's, it's swings and roundabouts. You, uh, yeah. Yeah, you win some, you lose some. Mm. It's a shame about the shame about those though. Um, yes, I can't even think. Do we even have? We've got we've got to have the Cheetos here. We have Cheezels. What what is a Cheezel? Describe a Cheezel to me. Does does Cir- it look circular? Knobbly? Just the same. A little bit. Th- I would argue maybe a bit thicker. Mm-hmm. Um, is it puffy or cheesy, crunchy? Would you say puffy yeah, or crunchy? Yeah, they're Cheezels as opposed to Cheetos. Yeah, and they're, yeah, they're quite cheesy. Like I think I, that's the closest. I, I can't even picture. I'm just like I went to the supermarket before I just before we recorded and I walked down the aisle where there's all the bags of chips and all like all that sort of stuff. And I'm going to say I'm picturing Cheetos. Cheez- so I wonder if we Cheezels Australia. Oh, they look like they're okay. They look like O's. They look like they're puffy O's. Yeah, they look a bit like, okay. They look really like cheesy. a hula hoop, really. But okay, well, they look um, they look delicious. I, I would definitely eat those. Surprising, surprisingly good. Yeah. Unless got so feel free to make your way down I, and try I'm our si- cheesels as well as you know Tim Tams and I don't know if anyone's made you take take <sighs> your chances on a on Vegemite or anything like that. But. Well, I love where well, we have Marmite and I love Marmite, but, oh, yeah, but you know in, in terms of Tim Tams, we have the Penguin Biscuit, which is basically the same thing over here. But I can't have them because I can't have wheat anymore because my oh, body. Right, okay. I get one of those things is it got to about forty and it was like, well, nah, no you're more. a celiac now. That's it. You, <laughs> yeah, right. you, you 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 can have donuts, but you will shit yourself. So make sure they're good ones. I guess you you do what you can do, right? Yeah, yeah. Moderation and all those sorts of things. Um, so as as we kind of alluded to early on, dancing NDA wise around some other mm-hmm. titles that you're working on, but you're working with uh, and uh, as you kind of highlight, you're working with various people from all different corners around the globe with you know in various mm-hmm. different capacities capacities as well. So how do you find the challenges of that? Do you know what I mean? A, a lot of it because because narrative. I'm, I'm, it's one of these things where they they're often just happy to say right, write all this stuff, and then send it over, and then we'll have a meeting. You know, maybe once every fortnight. It's 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 actually okay. Uh, and you know, other than I've got one thing um, that's in a foreign country that uh, pr- presents certain scheduling issues um, at the moment. Most of it's actually all based in the UK. Um, I do a lot Which of makes work with that. Yeah, I do a lot of work with a guy called Chris Bateman who runs a company called International Hobo. Um, and so I do um, some sort of writing with them and uh, most of that's in the UK at the moment. There's some stuff in Europe, but, you know, that may as well be the UK in terms of time zones. Um, so so it's, it's been pretty easy of late. Um, 
but uh, but I mean the one thing I'm the one thing I'm working for on with a company that's not in the UK is the most fun I've had as a freelance writer. It's something that very much leans into my strengths, but also is a really interesting technical challenge. Um, but but it is really just about writing really st- st- stupid jokes, um, um, unencumbered by narrative, which is kind of the idea. Which situation. helps, right? It's like yeah, I don't have to think of a plot because I cannot plot for shit. Um, if you just uh, throw jokes uh, but, out there, left and right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a borderlands um, I, game, no plot, yeah. all laughs. Yeah, it's uh, so that when they all work, really fun. That's that. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that project shakes out. So, but yeah, I I cannot obviously say anything about it other than no, say totally I'm I'm it's very fun. happy. I'm very happy on it. Yeah, no, uh, and well, then the, yeah, there's there's a bunch of other ones. They're doing some other stuff involving VR, um, which is something. VR I've, is cool. It's it's cool, but I've only tried it once. I I I, I tried one of the original. What were they called? The the Oculus Dev Kits. They had a name uh, before they were Oculus. They were something oh, else. Um, and like the screen was. Oculus. Yeah, because they were called Oculus before. I forget what the dev kits were called, but um, DK like DK one or something like that. I forget what they. Yeah, but I think it was still Oculus DK one or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, the, obviously the, the Oculus name changes. You know, when the, you know the met, now it's become the Meta Quest and all those sorts of things. So I think Oculus was Oculus was the original name. I thought and it was yeah the Oculus oh, DK one or whatever. Maybe. Well, anyway, I, I tried. I tried one of those at a dev, uh, a, a, a trade show when it was like the screen resolution was six p basically and it was just a big old screen door and I was like instantly feeling sick so but now I've got a decent PC so I can actually I can actually hopefully this game that I'm working on actually play it that'd be fun yeah it'd be Um, quite cool yeah but I think I'm working on about five things at the moment for various people maybe something like that and then there's other things that sometimes that like in theory might come back Yeah, in in a, at a really inconvenient time. So we'll see. Oh, it's n- never a good time, right? When some for someone to tap you on the shoulder and say, "Hey, I just need you to yeah have a look at this yeah. or uh, help us out with this." I'm a very lazy person as well, so you know that that you know people don't ask, give me more to me to do work. Yeah, that's that is not ideal, not ideal at all. So as we start to wind things down, is there anyone out there that inspires you in the way you go about your work? Obviously, we've 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 kind of cited regularly. <laughs> A little bit of a comedic focus in terms of some of the some of the writing you're going for. So, is there anyone in that field that's kind of helped maybe guide some of your own writing? Um, yeah, I'd say like Gary Delaney is probably one of the the, the key ones because uh, I used to do when I started doing stand up, I was just I was terrible. Um, and then uh, someone uh, showed me Gary Delaney's um, Twitter feed and how he's just you know doing the jokes in 140 characters, and I suddenly realised well. You know that that kind of plays to how my mind works in terms of stuff set up punchline set up punchline, and uh, and so that's kind that's entirely what I became when I was doing stand up was one liners, um, and that's that's very much down to to to, to Gary. It was it was, it was a, a, a a lovely guy. Um, so yeah, Gary Delaney is kind of in many ways responsible for how my video game career is probably uh, shook out. Strangely, awesome. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Gary Dilling, that's what I'd say. He's a, he's a very, very funny comic. Yeah, great great choice. What have been some of the most valuable lessons you've picked up along the way? Anything that's really uh, stuck with you that it's, uh, you know kind of followed you through regardless of where you've worked that's kind of I, been I a, think, a North Star of sorts? Um, in terms of writing, I'd say that, that that Oscar Wilde quote, brevity is the soul of wit, is the most important thing. Because I, and I have worked with other writers who just fucking overwrite stuff or or they they're gilding the lily constantly and it's like it's like get to the punchline and then get the fuck out of there and some people don't do that and that's that i'd say the most important thing if you're writing anything don't overstay you're welcome yeah i i would never i would never call what i write comedy i i'd I'd hopefully say that it is amusing um because i I think that's very much in the eye of the beholder but yeah yeah um yeah if, if you're if you're trying to be funny just be, be short and sod off um, that's been really important for me but in terms of like design I don't, I, I don't know here's the thing because I, I mean I, I programmed a load of remakes of games and in, in that case you know the design is what it was when the original game came yeah, out yeah of course but whether I'll whether I'm a good designer I guess I'll find out when I you know eventually put out your own title finish, finish my own game yeah 
I hope I am. I think it's got interesting, lots of interesting things in it. It isn't just another Metroidvania because that's it's such an oversubscribed genre. I don't think you can really just do something. You have to you have to stand out from the crowd and do something interesting with it because otherwise, why are you bothering? Um, yeah, I, I would agree. It's pretty over oversaturated these days, and it does hmm. mean that there's only a few that really elevate above the rest. Yeah. And so we're all yeah. desperately waiting for Hollow Knight Silksong. I just, I just don't understand why they can't tell us something about it because I want it so much. I just, I just want to, I just want to take the ones and the zeros and put them in a syringe and inject them straight into my vein because I want, I want it so bad. And and every Look, time I'll do my best. Nintendo they live, Direct. Like I mean, I'm in, I'm here in Victoria. They are like a six-hour drive for me somewhere in that direction. I, I, mean, know, I, I don't dr- specifically know where the Team Cherry guys are located, but I know they're in South Australia. I'll just drive over there and start door knocking for you if you like, because I am just as desperate as you. I think. Oh, I, I think you know. I think it, it, do like a like a Kickstarter or some kind of Indiegogo to basically get the funds to to fund such a trip. Just to you know, I mean, even if you're just literally collecting all their garbage and then going through it for clues, that you know, that's I'll that's do it. something. Like if, that's, if someone someone wants to content. start a Kickstarter or GoFundMe, whatever to support yeah. me driving to South Australia and door knocking on the, oh, I don't know, like 20 houses that yeah, the people live in, in Adelaide. But anyway, um, it won't take long that long to find them. There's not that many people of interest there. So we'll, sorry, sorry to the South Australians listening. Yeah. I know there's a few are, of you. Um, there are enough people with more money than sense to back that, as, as has been proven by NFTs, really. Well, um, yes. So yeah, I think anyone should like, Especially, especially now we record this on the eve of state of plays and Xbox showcases and Jeff, the Jeff Keelys and all those sorts of things. Like, if yeah. it doesn't show up, let's get that GoFundMe going, and I'll I'll yeah. travel over and and start door knocking. Um, I promise yeah, I won't I'll, put it all in my pocket. Yeah, good, good, lovely. It'll, it'll support I, I, I the it. it'll support the twenty nights that I'll probably have to be out there as I'm moving from kind of suburb to suburb door knocking, and that'll allow me to you know I don't know shovel mackers down my throat every single night, sleep in my car, and film it though it's good content as well i mean just yeah. you know like live oh, stream document well. the whole thing yeah i can absolutely. grow like I, i've got nothing on my face right now basically but like this thing like i've had people suggest what if you went on survivor i said it would look like castaway within about three or four days <laughs> um so if people really want a time we could do this and yeah watch that beard grow yeah, I, I, I am. I am fully behind this, unless, unless of course, in the state of play tonight, they're like, and now Hollow Knight. But I, I think it's going to be a Nintendo one. It's going to be a Nintendo one when it happens. We it may as well like continue to wade into this. So, uh, like, I, I was of the same mind for a long time, and obviously these indie directs have come and gone, and and nothing. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering if they're, especially with the the buzz around that that franchise these days, if they've kind of, for want of a better phrase, elevated above. Yeah, above that in terms of in terms of where their games get shown, they are an indie at their core, and um, I, you know, I'm certainly not trying to suggest better or worse or that sort of thing. But in terms of the external bars and perception, like that's why I feel like maybe a, a Jeff Keighley sort of job these days. I mean, that's that is that is a big jump up. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, but he he knows yeah, maybe he knows that fandom. So I wonder if yeah, I feel like the the natural home for it basically is on a console that I can use whilst I'm having a dump. That's kind of it is, it is the right sort of game for it. In the it is, it is so a perfect handhold game that I just I just well we'll see. I mean, hopefully this year we'll find out. I'll let you know because soon because I'll be on their doorstep within the next few weeks. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is all going to work out. This is peachy. <laughs> so again, as we as we wind things up, if you could be credited for any game in any capacity, what game would you love to have been able to work on? Oh, uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I think. Yeah, just because it's just it just it, I, I love how scattershot it is. How they tr- you know because the the ones that went later you know they really refined down what a Metroidvania yes. was for them. But that first one they were just trying fucking everything. I love it. It's like oh we're having button prompts to do special attacks. You got this this weird shield rod that does weird crazy wacky things, um, and then you've got items that you use that like you flick a peanut in the air and you catch it in your mouth and you get some health. All that kind <laughs> of crazy shit. I I just love how much just they just threw shit at the wall. And and they saw what stuck. Um, so I so wonder. I, if, I love it. I wonder if your answer to the next question then is perhaps the same. If you could go back and replay any game, strike it from your memory, and get to re-experience it from scratch, would it be Symphony of the Night? Would it be something else? I've, do you know? Weirdly, I've always Vagrant Hearts. It'd be. Uh, it'd be well. It, it, 
I've always thought like the original Resident Evil I remember being oh, yeah? really a formative experience for me I think that was one that I was like at the time I remember very consciously thinking actually Resident Evil 2 thinking oh man if I could I, if I could wipe my brain and do that again that or Simply the Night would be um, the, the game that I, I, I you know uh, took brain damage for happily fair enough yeah. awesome choice um, I don't think I, yeah, well, we've certainly had some Resident Evils pop up. I don't know if someone specifically cited the first one. Maybe they have. But it's, a, it's an yeah. excellent choice regardless. Well, Graham, yeah, thanks so was, much for coming on the show. And Oh, sorry, go on. No, 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 carry on. Sorry, I, I just thought I'd fuck up the ending of this podcast. That's uh, that's my raison d'etre. That's, that's, yeah, it's what we do. That's fine. No big, no big deal. We, we have these awkward symbols from time to time. Thanks for coming on the show, mate, and sharing this journey so far. I'm certainly excited to see... So, you know, some of these NDA titles that you're working on to learn about uh, your own title, your Metroidvania, and how that kind of shapes up. If uh, yeah, others want you. to do the same, if they want to get in touch, learn more about the titles, where would they be best to go? Uh, Twitter. That's where I, I just post stupid jokes, really. But yeah, just my Twitter, just uh, Graham Goring, at Graham Goring. Um, yeah, that's really kind of it. I, I mean, I should have a website. I pay for web, ho- web hosting. haven't actually set it up. Um, Who needs it? Yeah, I'm, I'm very very lackadaisical as I've mentioned you can just so, extract these moments of brilliance straight from the brain put it straight in the Twitter feed and mm, people can bask in it I mean the, the moments of something definitely um, possibly alcohol well, yeah. but yeah alcohol That's what fueled to, brilliance to, yeah 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 sure but Twitter I need the follow account really so yes there go yeah go, go check out the account and uh, on, on behalf of I guess myself specifically Thanks so much for re- for reaching out and, and offering yourself as a guest. As as I'm sure plenty of people know, I was kind of so, something fell through and um, I was you know, looking for guests, and lo and behold, you popped into my in, into my DMs, and I was thrilled for it. And as, as I you know, we chatted a bit, and I was looking into into the things you've been up to. Like, no, hang on, this is this is. Let's set the death door thing aside for a second, because obviously there was a little bit of squee and stuff about that. You've done some incredible things and um, working at, obviously, a number of different studios on some fantastic titles and congratulations on all you've done so far and, of course, thank you for giving me your time today. Hey, no, uh, my pleasure. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a massive uh, whore, so I'm very happy to do these sort of things. Are you going to name and shame the person who dropped out, though? Uh, no, because I haven't recorded <laughs> the episode with them yet. They will be on the show sometime soon. I, they dropped out because they were ill, so they didn't okay, have a voice, I mean, that's, which is well, not great uh, for an audio Show, just to po- point out, I, I did actually mention the cold I've had for six weeks, so I'm still here. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm still here. That's an excellent point. <laughs> I just if it, put cats if it and comes pigeons. up, we'll try and connect the episode somehow when we go to record it. If I can suddenly just toss this person under the bus in that respect and have a bit of fun mm. with it, yeah, then yeah. I expect we'll be cackling on the other side of the globe as a result. I, I should hope so. I'll just like quickly shoot you damn it's happening look they're talking I've, I've hunched on them done <laughs> but yeah as, as I said thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this journey so far my pleasure and listeners as always thank you very much for listening I'll see you next time That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me to get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Graham's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.